0: Welcome to the 81st episode of the Young Terps Podcast from the Viner Four Studio. This is your host, Mason Viner. And your co-host, Jordan Viner. And on today's episode of the Young Terps Podcast, Maryland takes down the number 24th ranked Nebraska Cornhuskers for their first ranked win in almost three years. And of course, we got a full Terrapin rundown for you today. But before we get into that, this podcast is brought to you by Allied Party Rentals, your hometown Terrapin party rental resource. Allied has what you need, whether you're hosting a large wedding, putting together a small luncheon, or setting up a street festival. Allied has the tents, chairs, linens, china, and other accessories you're looking for. Wayne from Turb Talk has known Donnie at Allied since 1995. Located right next to College Park in Beltsville, Maryland and serving the entire DMV, contact Allied today for a free, no obligation quote at 301-986-0067. Or visit them at AllyPartyRentals.com. Jordan now for the Terrapin rundown. Well to kick things off with the non reverend
1: report today, the number four Lady Terps suffered a tough loss to Rutgers. It just wasn't a great game for the Terps. It started off slow. They were trailing at the end of the first ha- first quarter and first half. They they just weren't feeling
0: it, is what it seemed like. Yeah, we were talking about this game during our last podcast. They were down, I believe, forty three to thirty six when you know during our last non-rev run down, so it just didn't work out, but the first loss of the season, pick it up, move on, still a Big Ten championship run, definitely in front of them.
1: You can hope so, they will play the Ohio State Buckeyes next, that game is on Saturday at four at the Xfinity Center, you can catch that
0: on BTN. So back-to-back Terp games on Saturday on BTN, but I can't, I think that Maryland-Rutgers game is going to dig into the Maryland-Ohio State women's game.
1: Well, it's hard to say, but the important thing is, uh, we is we are on TV twice on Saturday, so you got a full day of chirpness if you so are,
0: are so inclined. Moving on to some men's soccer news, they have some players that are projected to go in the MLS draft. They have Andrew Samuels, the midfielder, the goalie Dane Saint Clair, and the forward Amar Sadich. Man, if I'm an MLS team that needs a goalie, Dane St. Clair is definitely on the top of my list. Yeah, he is
1: projected as the number one goalie that is entering the MLS this season. So it should be good for the Terps. It's always good to have more pro players to back up your recruiting pitch. And hopefully they all have good pro
0: careers. Yep, now to some quick football news before we get to basketball. And only two Terps out of all the guys that we've been talking about in the NFL this season have advanced to the play- playoffs. That is the Seahawks defensive tackle, Quentin Jefferson, and the Patriots cornerback that's getting a ton of run, J.C. Jackson.
1: Yeah, a lot of Terps were on disappointing teams this year. We had three Terps on the Steelers, three Terps on the Panthers. Yannick was on the Jaguars. I think we had a guy in the Falcons too. Though. I can't remember who it is at the moment. So not not a great season for Terps in the playoffs. Well, pros. you're missing
0: one on your list. Our Stephon Diggs. No. On the Vikings. No. Trey Edmonds is in the playoffs.
1: Plays for New Orleans now. I did not catch that, if that is the case. If that
0: is the case, then I think he'll be in the Super Bowl, personally. That's just me. I don't. I think their runs over. But This is a Maryland podcast, so let's get to some Maryland things. Maryland, 74. Nebraska, 72. Jordan, you've been here for about, what, a month now? And you finally made it out to, at the Xfinity Center for the game last night.
1: Yeah, non-basketball circumstances were a big factor during my winter break here. So this is my first and only game in the Xfinity Center this season. Yeah. It's weird, isn't it? Not really. <laughs> well, regardless, it was a great game to go to. It was a good good basketball game. I saw a great performance by Bruno a Buzzer Beater by Jalen Smith. It was a fun game to go see. And I-, I didn't really see any of the environment concerns that so many people have talked about recently at Xfinity Center.
0: I think you did. I just don't think you remember. Uh, I don't know how you don't. Because last night, you're playing against a ranked team. And there's nobody there. Now, you could almost write the game off from last night. You had a 6.30 start. I mean, it just, it's just not ideal around here. And now we have another one, another 6.30 start this year. Even though, you know, after all the post-game show after the game and the press conference that always takes forever at Xfinity Center, we were actually out of there at home by a reasonable time.
1: Yeah, that was kind of nice. I just, it wasn't... It was Nebraska. Like, to me, it's just, like, such an uninspiring opponent. Even though they are ranked and they're pr- pretty good, like, it's Nebraska basketball. There's nothing against Nebraska basketball. It's just they're not a big draw like Ohio State is when they're good or some of these other teams are. It's they just not a marquee opponent to me. Or to, I, I really think, anybody.
0: Yeah. So, a few things to hit on before we move to... Again, the bigger picture here. Ricky Lindo possibly had the best one-point game that I think I've seen in a long time or maybe ever.
1: Stealing my post-game quotes there, Mason. But yeah, I totally agree. I said that last night. He he really had a good impact for considering how little he contributed offensively. He was great on defense. He gave a lot of energy. He rebounded hard when he had four rebounds. And he, he gave good effort. And it's important to see on teams to have energy
0: guys like he he brought. Another thing is, I think we're starting to see that Maryland really has true freshmen. It's up and down. It's game to game because Sorrell Smith had no points in 16 minutes, 0 of 5 shooting. Lindo, as you already hit on, I mean, he's getting better. Eric Ayala, not a great scoring game. Aaron Wiggins didn't have a good game. But yet you moved on. Some guys play well, some nights, other guys don't. That's kind of where we are with these freshmen.
1: Warren Buggins didn't have a bad game. He was very efficient. He was 3-for-3 from the field and 2-for-2 from deep, and he didn't get turnovers. So, I mean, he wasn't great, but he was very efficient.
0: Yeah, but he's been a guy that you rely on recently.
1: Yeah, he has, and you hope to see more volume from him than taking three shots, but he took what he could make, and I guess that's that's what you hope for. for, for, That's what you want to see from a freshman, I guess. You want to see them be smart with the ball.
0: Yeah, moving on to, let's talk about Anthony Cowan for a second. 36 minutes, 6 for 15, 3 of 7 from 3, 4 of 6 for free throws, 19 points, uh, 4 assists, and 3 boards. But no turnovers. But it's still just, I don't know because I've never been a huge Anthony Cowan guy. If it's just me, or there just seems to be something off with Anthony Cowan. I think you may be
1: right, but I think the role that Turgeon's asking him to play right now is kind of a volume scorer type that's going to not have great stat lines, but it's going to be important. And look, he still played 36 minutes. He's still very important to the team, but he's just... Something is different than last season, I will say that.
0: Yeah, I'll give you that. I also think that when Cowan came to Maryland, when the Terps still had Mello, and Mello was really affected by it, the same thing has now happened to Anthony Cowan now that Eric Ayala is there. You're not necessarily the only point guard. There was a lot of times during this game where Ayala was the ball handler, the main ball handler, getting the inbounds pass, taking the ball up the floor. It just changes her game entirely, but for some reason that's the position that the coaching staff chooses to put these kind of top dog ones in. Yeah, that makes
1: sense, but I think it also cares to Ayala a little bit more. Um, a player I wasn't too thrilled with performance-wise was Darren Morcel in this game.
0: Yeah, he really had a good look at the end of the game, and he didn't hit anything.
1: He He's just not a good scorer, and I know we all wanted him to really take that next step this year, but he just does not seem like he's a good scorer to me. He's a, He reminds me of Sean Mosley a little bit.
0: Except he never had a good first year.
1: That's not what I mean. I mean that in terms of he's a good defender, he's a pretty good rebounder. get any more Yeah, but with game. Sean
0: Mosley, the reason why people were disappointed is because he had a year where he scored. He had a year where he looked like he was going to be the next Gravis Vasquez, Eric Hayes-like player. And then it never really amounted to that. With Morsell, you're seeing the people watch him in Italy where he's nailing threes left and right, and everyone's like, yeah, this guy's really going to be good. With Morcell, it's a little bit different. He didn't have that year. It's like That's kind of what I expect from Darryl Morcell. While he's not scoring or the stat sheet's not great, he is one of the guys that this team desperately needs on the floor for some reason. It doesn't just show on the stat line, but it shows while you're watching the game, and you can see it when he's not on the floor.
1: Yeah, I don't have it in front of me, but I really wish I did. I want to see the on-off splits with Daryl Morcell because it does seem like the team struggles without him on the floor. That reminds me, though, in the first half when the Turgeon rolled out the bench lineup, uh, it was they
0: were pretty good. Yes, they were, and we'll talk about how the bench lineup and the end of the game in a minute. But before we get to that, this podcast is also brought to you by Maryland Euro Cars. When you're looking for someone to work on your European car, look no further than Maryland Euro Cars. We have a few Audis in the family and some BMWs at the office, and we take our cars to Christian at Maryland Euro Cars. Christian and his team know their way around Audis, BMWs, Mercedes, Bentleys, VWs, and many more makes. Always friendly, courteous, and honest, along with being an extra clean shop. Maryland Eurocars is the best place to take your prized automobile, and they're the most reasonably priced shop in town. Located in Rockville, you can reach Maryland Eurocars at 301-217-5831. Ask for Christian at 301-217-5831 and tell them that the Young Terps sent you. Jordan, the twos survived in this game, unlike they did earlier this year. Yeah, they
1: did. I believe it was a lineup in the first or somewhere on the ten minute mark of the first half that featured Anthony Cowan, Aaron Wiggins, Cyril Smith, Ricky Lindo, and even Bender. And they were they they still had a negative, I believe,
0: on the stat sheet. But they were they were they worked. No, they did not have a negative then. They had a negative when they came back in the game later with the Bender and Lindo. Bender and Lindo are the two guys that you really got to hit on because Smith and um, Cowan and those guys, they play other minutes. Bender and Lindo, to me, are one of the reasons why Maryland lost that game to Virginia earlier this year. They could not go to those two guys, and they really left Fernando and Smith kind of out in the rain having to play the whole game. But this time, you know, I know Nebraska's not a Virginia. Nebraska really had some of the same – looks of Maryland down low when guys like number 20 got in and um, that just really couldn't handle Bruno or Jalen Smith. But the good thing is that Lindo, Lindo you, could, it, you could really see progressing.
1: Yeah, and it's something that as Terpen fans we wanted to see for a while. He's really pr- come along well. He's playable now, which is something you really can say be- towards being in the season. He works in the low post. He doesn't score a ton, but he gets rebounds. He plays good defense, and he's a good – He's he just a plays hard.
0: He plays really hard. Bender, on the other hand, you know, he only got out there for four minutes, but that's what Maryland needs. Maryland needs Bender or Tomajic or wh- whoever to be able to go down low and play for four or five minutes a game because, let's face it, it's not ideal. Schneider, Herod left. Um, Bender is, Turgeon believes still to be hurt. I still think he's hurt. He's also not really a fiery guy. Um as we've all seen, Joshua Tomajic really just, he's taken almost a step backwards. So what you need is, you, at this point, you got to look at the best-case scenario, a guy that can play five to seven minutes a game.
1: I guess so. thats You just need someone to take the pressure off of Bruno and Sticks. And we haven't really talked about them. They both played pretty well, I think. Bruno played, was a very extreme player in this game. He had 18 points, 17 rebounds, but he also had six turnovers and four fouls. And, man, there are times in this game where you just could not hold on to the and ball. And gave one
0: fan a bloody nose. And gave one fan a bloody nose. I mean, he took that guy out. He was actually <laughs> on the post-game show with us after the game that you can see up on uh, turptalk.com. I mean, you can see the Band-Aid on his nose. I mean, he hit him. But that's the kind of intensity that I love. Dive into the stands. Get the ball. Play like a madman. We need that. We haven't I, had that here. I I agree. And I think that is true, but it also leads to mistakes. But, but, you gotta consider what we've had here. We've had guys like Diamond Stone, Robert Carter. No one that was down, dirty, and mean. Jonathan Graham, and I really like Jonathan, but he wasn't greatest, the greatest player. He wasn't really a dynamic offensive player at all, and by the time he was gone, he, he was, you know, almost barely playing in games anymore. But that guy had it. He had that fight that old Gary Williams kind of get after. it. And Bruno has it, and I love it. I don't really care that he makes awful plays every once in a while, but you, you need somebody that's got that motor.
1: I just can't stand the term motor because no one can explain
0: to me what it means. But It's I- that, that get, that get after it, that, that fire inside of you that really pushes you to want to play basketball and go out and punch the other guy in the face that's across the line from you because you want to win the game. Look, I
1: I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I think Bruno has a lot of energy. He brings a lot of heat and he plays good ball most of the time. And I think we saw we saw that. We needed that and we saw it to or what yesterday now. But so, yeah, I will say Bruno's definitely a net positive on the team. He made mistakes. He did make a lot of turnovers. He has
0: 17 boards and 18 points. And there were times in this game, and we're going will move, also... we'll move to the sequence near the end of the game where you can really see this. Who's he going to give the ball to? If you noticed, and I know you do, in this offense, there's not a lot of off-ball movement. There's not a lot of guys working to get open. So when they throw the ball down low to him, he's almost on an island. Yeah, that is
1: true. And it's on him and sticks to make plays when they throw the ball down to him. And I'm not, again, I'm not saying he's a bad player. He's a good player. But we can't afford to lose him in games. And this is another game where he almost fouled out. That's just, that's your reality.
0: And early in the game, I'll give him this. And then I want to hit on one more thing with Bruno. Then we'll move to the end of the game. Early in the game, he was playing, especially on those first few easy buckets where he was involved. He was playing to not foul. Do you like that, or do you want him to go all out?
1: Yeah, I noticed that as well. He was playing not to get fouls because they probably told him he can't foul out again. And he wasn't getting fouls, but he also wasn't making defensive plays. That's the other thing I have with him, is that he overcommits to making blocks a lot, and that can lead to some easy baskets for the other team. And it's a hard thing to do. It's a thing that he has to learn, and he has to find a balance between being overly aggressive and possibly over-pursuing and getting fouls and staying at home and not making as many energetic plays. But that's just something he has to work with.
0: So let's go to the end of the game now. Let's start with Maryland takes the lead. They go into a timeout. I don't remember who called it. And then there were three straight Maryland turnovers that were absolutely awful. Like game execution is not our thing. Well, they did it enough in this game to come out on top. 'Cause it wasn't really Nebraska's thing either. But look at go back, and I know you like to rewatch these games and go back to that moment. Look at when Cowan threw the ball into double coverage zone, like he looked like he could play quarterback for Maryland. Or the other plays where the balls just, you know, end up out of bounds and make just a bad plays. Why is that happening? I think
1: that down the line, two things two big things happen. One is we don't if we call plays, they it seems like they never work. And two is we get nervous because we don't know what to do. And because of that we force plays. It's what you do when you're nervous. You try to make a play even if it's not there.
0: Well that's kind of what you got to deal with. We're talking about a young team here that they're not, they don't have the best coaching. I think it was better than it has been so far this year in this game. But I don't like that, and I know Coach Trojan's talked about, you know, the flow of the game and getting into what happens when we don't, when our plays don't work, because you know you're going to hit a point in the game where your plays aren't always the execution. But I don't like that, that lost feeling when the plays aren't executed.
1: Yeah, we have it a lot when, the other thing is we don't, our plays are very simple. It's a weave, or it's a screen and roll and pop. And it, when that doesn't, when that play breaks down, as it will happen towards end games, you're right. They just look like they're like, okay, uh, now what do we do? Like, you need to either reset the play, you need to have a different play ready to be called, or you need to just get into the flow of the game again. But we don't do any of those things. It usually like the play breaks down, and then Ayler or Cowan is just left dribbling around.
0: Yeah, and that's just. I know that bothers a lot of Maryland fans, the dribbling around at the end of the clock. But what happens when those. Think about the game. You have 30 seconds with the ball. You take, let's say we say it takes five seconds to get up the court and get into a set. And then you run a 10 or 15 second set of movements and no one comes open. Then what do you do? Because if you really noticed it, Maryland runs their routes, if you look at it from. I don't really know what the word is. Maryland runs their motions, and it's really it's kind of a one man play. It's kind of a, like a a shot play in football. It's a one man route, and if that man doesn't come open, well then you're either t- stuck taking the sack or throwing something up. But and Maryland gets stuck throwing something up too much still.
1: But it's not football. If you let's say you you do that,
0: let's say you you go through your motions, but that's what it
1: is. I know, but you can go through your set and you have 10 seconds left or something like that. You can call a screen and just rush. But that's what
0: they do. Except what you're not accounting for is that they get up the floor maybe a little bit quicker and the set is a little bit shorter in time. So then, instead of being stuck with seven seconds, we're like, okay, let's get a quick screen and dive play or screen and roll play. What Maryland is, is they're done with the set at 15. So then they wait a little bit. They're still moving around, hoping that someone will break open outside in the non-initial break of the play. And then at the end, they call a quick screen roll. Or they don't. What I like is when they do. But what I absolutely can't stand is when there's no secondary motion. So we just pulled up the last play again. And I don't really know what it was. I think it was just... I almost want to say it was bad defense by Nebraska. That's
1: what I think it was. It, w- it looked like... I don't know what happened. It So I will bring the co- ball up. He's staying in the corner. It looks like they're going to call a timeout. And they just hold the ball for 10 seconds. So there's about 10, 10 seconds left in the but game. That's not,
0: but that's not a bad move. Actually, I'm going to make an, a, an assumption here. I think they were going to call a timeout with 7 seconds left. But then Nebraska didn't stay home. They stretched out. They committed to a double and then they were able to dump the ball down to Jalen Smith, and at that point, the secondary slide, or, you know, I was using lacrosse terms, a slide, the secondary slide man came to try and stop the play, but by then, Smith just thought he could flip the ball over him, and, you know, luckily enough, it went in the basket.
1: Yeah, that's what seemed like happened, is Nebraska overcommitted to the double team, Smith was able to roll to the open spot at the top of the key, and he was able to take a fairly easy runner. But
0: that's what I like about Jalen Smith. Jalen Smith is not the guy that I'm talking about. Jalen Smith... You saw what he did there. He saw that his man left him, and he moved to an easy angle pass. So he got the ball, and then he made a play, but he never stopped moving. The play didn't stop because they were going to call a timeout with seven or six seconds left. He kept playing. Maryland's got to take that, look at that play, and say, this is what we want out of you guys. Keep playing. Don't give up on the play, even if you think we're going to call a timeout because you see what good things can happen.
1: Jalen Smith quietly had a pretty good game too. He was six for ten from the field, two for three from deep. If he can start making threes, then the offense could actually open up here.
0: Yeah, and it can open up really quickly. But I was talking with somebody today in the office, and they said, you know, Bruno shot X number of threes this year, but he has to shoot them. They are must. Maybe not the one against Seton Hall, but the other ones that he's taken and the ones that he's made are big because you see on film. If I'm breaking down film on Maryland and I see Bruno hit a three while I'm watching I'm saying, well, now i got to extend to that guy. You know, it only takes one or two or three shots out of, you know, if you're three for 10, that's 30%. They're going to want to guard you from three. They're not going to want to give you that shot all day, especially because Maryland's not strong in the three-point game. So I like that Bruno and Jalen will take the threes, and more importantly, now they can make them. Because a missed three from a big man that people believe can shoot, Maybe they haven't shot enough this year to really prove it, but people believe they can. It was kind of a big deal.
1: Yeah, and I really wanted Jalen Smith to dunk the ball on the last play.
0: No, I, I know it wouldn't. It probably would have even been a charge. You can't. You can't even say that. How can you say that you wanted him to dunk the ball in the last play when he tried that earlier in the game? That's another big point positive for Jalen Smith. He saw that he charged him in the early in the, in the second half. And then he adjusted and shot the ball over him late in the game.
1: I agree. I'm just saying it would have been a lot of fun to be there if he would managed to dunk the ball home there.
0: It probably would have been a charge and probably was the right move that he made. It is a, it's guaranteed the right move. That is a charge. They already called it in the game. That is a charge. I'm just saying it would have been fun. Don't, don't massacre me over it.
1: Now that said, you're right. He learned from his mistakes. And he made the shot and he won the game. And that was kind of all she wrote.
0: Yeah. Um, Maryland will take on a seven and five Rutgers team. Well, hold on. I want to go back. Marilyn, you got to beat a rank. You got to win against a ranked team. What do you think that means? Moving on.
1: I mean, they're ranked number twenty four, so I, I, it's not something to be super excited about to me. But it also is really good. They got a ranked win for the first time in almost
0: three years. That's not nearly surprising to me as it should be. It it, it was so surprising to me because. It's not like Maryland doesn't play ranked teams.
1: Yeah, but we never we've always struggled to beat the ranked teams. Especially under in the Turgeon era. We haven't been giant slayers like we used to be. So I think, yeah, it's great that we won. We beat a ranked team. It's a good resume builder. It's a huge confidence builder for the, both the team and the fan base. And now if you can if you can beat Rutgers in Piscataway
0: on Saturday, then you got some momentum going. So as always, I am a at this point, i going to call myself a ticket nerd. Rutgers game is sold out from the Rutgers website. The cheapest ticket on StubHub is... Can you get... Give me a guess. It was $91, wasn't it? No, it's $76. Oh, uh, okay. I was looking at a different app, I guess. 76 bucks. I don't like that. I'm not a fan of playing at a sold-out Rutgers.
1: Yeah, that's... uh, That's pretty surprising to me. I'm, I'm part, part of me thinks that... I, portion of that is Maryland fans are traveling north but I'm not sure maybe they, it's just a, a big game for them I, I don't really understand why it's
0: sold out well it's not a huge venue
1: no it's not something what 5,000 6,000 seats
0: yeah Rutgers on the season is 7 and 5 they've beaten Miami Miami is really their only big win this year the losses the five losses for Rutgers are at home against Michigan State they lost by they lost 78 to 67 They lost at Wisconsin by five. They lost to Fordham, and they lost to Seton Hall. So they lost four in a row. But there's just something about this game that I don't like. I don't know what to make of this.
1: It's hard for me to be scared of playing Rutgers, and I think that's an unreasonable thing to say. But I do understand what you're saying. There's something, something's off. Something's wrong with the energy around this game.
0: Yeah, and the fifth
1: loss was against St. John's earlier in the year. Well, St. John's was feed last time I checked. Maybe they're not anymore,
0: but so they've lost some pretty good teams and they've lost by pretty slim margins. Well, according to the Rutgers
1: website, it's like a kind of a semi-homecoming game for them, isn't it?
0: Yeah, it is. The letters, it's the Letter Winners' Day, um, nineteen sixty-nine night, and Outstanding Student Educator Appreciation Day. So there you have it. So, kind of a homecoming game. I don't really know. That's
1: a, that's a lot of promos going on there.
0: Yes. Fill the seats. Fill the rack. Pack the rack that, that, like your UMBC.
1: That's the goal of any sports executive is to fill the stadium. So, hopefully the Terps aren't phased at the rack. It seems like a pretty packed environment. Hopefully a lot of turp fans make the trip up the turnpike. And hopefully it's another Terp
0: win. Yeah, hopefully it is. And I want to talk a little bit of football news here in a minute. But before we get to that, The Young Terps would like to introduce you to Club Cars. Club Cars is a pre-owned car dealership located in Rockville, Maryland. Club Cars offers a variety of vehicles that can fit any budget. The Club Cars vehicles are priced competitively, and there is a car for everyone at Club Cars. Ask for Michael or Matt. They're a great team and very easy to work with. How do we know? Wayne's Audi comes from Club Cars. He loves the car, and especially the way he was treated at the dealership. Great guys, great prices. Audis, Lexuses, BMWs. Mercedes, BW's, and even a few Porsches can all be found at Club Cars, located at 12370 Park Lawn Drive in Rockville, and you can reach Club Cars at 301-468-3505 or on the web at clubcarsmd.com. So there should be a lot of football news come Tuesday. Yeah,
1: Monday, of course, is the National Championship game featuring Mike Loxley's Alabama offense against Clemson. And you'd think that after the championship game and Locks comes to College Park
0: permanently, we'd see some
1: more stuff come out.
0: More. Or, from what I'm hearing from guys like Dave and and up on all the message boards, Jeff Ehrman, that it should just start pouring out. We're talking the grad transfers is a big one, especially the ones from Alabama. The offensive coordinator, the defensive coordinator, of course you can guys can Find you know some early favorites list. We're talking Gaddis from Alabama and some other names have popped up around that. But just it seems to be that after this championship game really marks the end of this season and it's time for a lot of guys around the country to move on and move to their next positions. And Maryland seems to be there's something building at Maryland. And I know we've talked about this a lot, but now you're seeing you know the first few guys come in. A lot of them are local guys like uh, Corey Robinson and his connections to Baltimore. It's going to be great to see, but the focus has to be on this next year and getting the grad transfers to make it so there is a transitional period that's not too bad. Uh,
1: there's so much optimism around Maryland football right now. But that I, Jordan can't even take it. I just don't. I understand there's a, there's a reason it's quiet right now, but it's just well, so quiet. Yeah, but
0: do you know that's a dead period right now? I'm aware it's a dead period right now, yes. Well, it's a de- that's one thing. It's a dead period. There isn't recruiting right now. But, you know, the, kid, the head coach is coaching. He's coaching a team that's on its way to another national championship. Because I personally think Alabama's going to win. And I believe by a, a solid margin.
1: I disagree with that prediction very heavily. But I understand why you're saying, I understand why you think that. And I understand that Mike Mike isn't here right now. And that the staff doesn't have much to do because he's not here. But I don't know. I don't like the quiet. Because we, we were promised we were going to have
0: all of these... No! I don't mean to jump on you like that. But no, we were not promised anything for this class. A few guys. Sure that everybody could spill off lists of players that as soon as Mike Lockson became coaches... Everybody from the top Maryland insiders to the guys that just love to follow recruiting around here were listing, you know, Mike Loxley can do all of this stuff before the, you know, February. But then, you know, you give two or three weeks to Alabama and not everybody's too happy to flip. It's just... He was hired a little late for this cycle.
1: Yeah, I know. he He was hired almost after that cycle. Yeah. So, and I understand we have to temper our expectations. That's just been hard to do with everybody in the world screaming that we're
0: going to get everybody. And it's the best hire in the country. And But it still can be. It's just, it's not going to happen this year. And the other thing that I really think that people are missing is these guys that can come in and recruit, a lot of the time, have a really strong foundation. There's something there already. And even though those coaches aren't here anymore, they have something to recruit on. And that is something that I don't really think Mike Loxley had this time. What do you mean by that? Like, let's say that Maryland, that the um the same thing didn't happen. Let's say that Durkin coached out this year. And Maryland still wanted to make a change to Mike Loxley. But Durkin had already been, you know, he had, let's say, 10 commits and... But he had guys interested. Loxley could then slide in, get those same recruits from, let's say he keeps one guy in the staff. Well, that guy has probably has that recruiting database. And Mike Loxley goes in and closes out the next ten guys, and you get a great class of twenty guys. I'm not so sure Maryland had those ten guys. I don't think Maryland was hot on many guys' list till Mike Loxley got here, and maybe by that time they had already accepted that Maryland wasn't gonna happen or Maryland wasn't really their top choice, but Maryland never really even got to compete for that guy. And now it's already over because he signed. That's kind of what I feel like Maryland took this year in recruiting. So I'm not too concerned, if, especially if Maryland can slide in with a few grad transfers and really you know strengthen up this class enough that it will not overall destroy the next, you know, the outlook.
1: Okay, I see what you're saying, and that's a legitimate point that there's not much here at the moment. And we're gonna to have to start from scratch, and that's kind of what it is right now. And we can't even start really yet. And you gotta remember all those things, and hopefully, people remember
0: that when February comes around. I think everybody, I think everybody's got that because if there was gonna be a mass migration to Michael Oxy at Maryland, I feel like everyone was expecting it to be in like the first two weeks. Those two weeks that Michael Oxy was here, and you know, Maryland got Hazel, which was really good. But that heat on him to make it happen right now, I feel like, was very temporary. And then people started to hear from the recruiting experts that it was really, you know, it's not that easy. I feel like people think a little bit with um, even a guy like Loxley, who's really a master recruiter, that it's like, boom, flip, boom, flip, boom, flip. But it doesn't really work that way, especially when people have been committed for years or months. It's really hard to get them off, and we just have to remember that and push through this cycle Get the staff solid because I feel I'm still feeling very strong that it's going to be a great Maryland staff, especially for recruiting in this area.
1: Well, we, of course, need to fill out the staff before we can say that. And that's, in my opinion, the most important part for the next couple months is getting the right staff together and making sure that it's all good. And then being able to keep them here. Yeah, we've had some issues with that recently. And hopefully we don't have that same problem in the next couple of years.
0: Yeah, and that brought me back to one thing that I really wanted to mention on this podcast. Watch out, and this will be the last thing that we talk about. Watch out for UMass. Just keep your eyes open because that team with Walt Bell and Azar, boy, those are two guys that if I've ever seen. Those two, especially Walt Bell. Walt Bell is the best football salesman that I've ever seen in my life. Got to see me spoke at a recruiting event that I went to a few years back, and boy, Walt Bell, I'm just his offense might not be the best, but there's just they're going to have something in a few years here, and Walt Bell's going to start moving up the coaching ranks.
1: Well, I'm the thing I'm most curious about is how well they can travel with their D and D connections between the two of them. I'm not saying. Oh, do you have? I mean, like I, I'm just thinking that Walt Bell. And especially if Czar on the same staff might be able to pillage the DMB's recruiting on the lower end. Like oh, the, oh, two, yeah. the two to three-star yes, guys. Yes, that
0: is what I was going to tell you. I was going to say the low threes and the twos are going to be dominated by those two guys. Going to UMass, but that's
1: weird. It's
0: not going to be a Calipari UMass. No, they're not going to be. the
1: UMass may have the worst situation in the FPS right now. So Now, do they still play in the Patriots stadium? I think they moved like half their games out
0: on campus again or something like that. Because if I was going there as a coach, I don't want to play in front of, I don't even know, probably like 65,000 empties. It's like playing uh, lacrosse. It's like playing lacrosse in uh, Maryland State. Yeah,
1: that's what I was, was going to say something similar. It's not a great situation. And I don't know why UMass even moved to the FBS in the first place. So I don't think they really know anymore either. But hopefully this will go well for them. I
0: think. Man, do I think that they can those two guys can turn that place around. But that's just me. I know a lot of people from around here or people that are tied into the Maryland program have been saying that, but just slowly it's going to ha- it's just it's going to happen. I'm actually excited to see it because I really like those two guys and I think that's going to do it for this Young Terps podcast. Maryland two winnable games. Maryland basketball has two winnable games in front of them against Rutgers and Minnesota. We will be back on Sunday to talk Hopefully a Maryland victory over the Rutgers Scarlet Knights. As always, we'd like to thank our sponsors, Viner Four Gates of Rockville. They're the place to go for all of your IT solutions. You can reach them at 301-251-2900 or on the web at oneviner.com. Allied Party Rentals, they're the place to go for all of your party rental needs. We're talking 10-person luncheons or 300-person wedding. They can do it all at Allied Party Rentals or even... Even, Jordan, I know you're thinking about one of these when you become the supreme leader of Maryland negativity. They could even do your inauguration because they've done it before. I don't know. There's a lot of competition in that field right now. Uh, except they weren't they weren't too loud last night. Because these past few games, the Maryland negativity guys have been too loud. But, you know, Jordan, if you really want to get a full-on inauguration, Allied can handle that for you, too. You can visit them at alliedpartyrentals.com. Maryland Eurocars, they're the place to get your European car service with a five-star experience. Audis, BMWs, Mercedes, they do them all at Maryland Eurocars. You can reach Christian at 301-217-5831. That is Christian at Maryland Eurocars. And the newest sponsor to the Young Terps, Club Cars, Audis, BMWs, VWs, and even a few Porsches can all be found at Club Cars. The place to get your pre-owned luxury cars with a great buying experience, you can visit Club Cars at clubcarsmd.com. That's going to do it for the Young Turfs podcast. Make sure to give me a follow on Twitter at Intern Mason and Jordan at Jordan Viner. That's going to do it for this week's podcast, and as always, thanks for listening.